Hello and welcome to Everything is Black and White Podcast. It's time for our weekend review. Joined by a special guest in Luca Edwards from The Telegraph. Thank you very much for popping in. On my day off as well. Yep. Brownie points right there, back in his old stomping ground as well. It's very nice to come home. I was humming that tune as I came up the stairs. <laughs> um, also joined by Lee Ryder and Mark Douglas. And we'll start with that great win over Southampton, which... Um, was a game of two halves, Luke. What did you What did you make of the of the performance? I thought it was a really good performance. Probably as certainly that first half was as good as they played for a long time. Maybe one of the best performances of the season. Um, and I think for me, at the end of it, I was sort of thinking this this team is a team with real potential. Um, it's got the right age demographic. Once again, as we saw last season, it's got stronger as the second half of the season's gone on. And I thought they blew Southampton away, and there was there was pressure on that game as well because um, because of Cardiff winning below them, and Southampton were desperate for the points. It certainly wasn't a, a dead rubber end of season game, and and to produce a performance like that, it was great. And actually, watching Newcastle at home since Christmas has been great. It's been as, as Lee and I'm sure Mark and yourself will testify. The atmosphere has been great. It's, it's it's been enjoyable to go there again, and we haven't been able to say that for a long time. And um, and actually, I have to say, for credit to the atmosphere, because I think the atmosphere has been right up there as well, and, and that's what every Newcastle United home game, but that comes from the fact that the team are playing well. And No, I was really impressed with Southampton, and um, I think it bodes really well for the future. But, um, Lee, given the result then on Sunday, Liverpool beating Cardiff, it sets us up for what we all knew was coming probably weeks, if not, well, it can only be probably two months' worth of drawn-out negotiations between Rafa and Newcastle. We are at this stage now where you know talks are ongoing, but Benitez says... Nothing's changed from from last month. Yeah, it just seems like it's a, a big standoff between the two parties. Uh, Rafa has has made it abundantly clear in all of his interviews what what the situation is. He cranked things up a little bit more on Saturday night, I thought, when he was talking about the wage structure uh, and started quoting figures of, of how much you need to pay players. Um, Newcastle, on the other hand. From what I'm led to believe, they haven't moved forward. They haven't tried to get in touch with Rafa in the, in the last few days since since safety was confirmed. So it's as you were, and it, it's just a baffling situation. And, I mean, Mark, you've got a, a book there which kind of shows how Rafa. I've, I've done some homework. You have. That's, brought, that's the first time ever, ever, right? So um, it's from. Well, I'll read the quote out. So this is. Uh, I'm tired of talking, talking, talking. We talk and talk, but we never finish. I'm worried about talking to players for one to two months or even six months and then losing them. I want things to be done. Now is the moment to take decisions, not just talk about doing things. If we don't change right now, understand how crucial this moment is. We will waste one month, two months, two or three targets, and then we'll start having to sign third choice players and we'll only be contenders, nothing else. We need to react to make things easier. The owners know clearly they need to be make big changes. We've been talking about these things, but maybe they need to understand this is the right moment, not just waiting and talking. It's clearly we need lots of money. Manchester United can pay 20 million for a midfielder, but we can't. Okay, if we want to sign a striker, what will be the price if you want to sign a striker? If you go early, you might have an opportunity to sign someone. If you spend two or three weeks waiting, then talking and talking, either you can't sign a player or you'll have to pay more. And there's more and more and more of this. Rafa Benitez, 2005 at Liverpool so this is like this is from, that's from Epic Swindle the near death of Liverpool FC this is not I mean the one thing I'd say I want Rafa to, to stay but this is not um, a new thing from Rafa it, 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 this is I think something that has happened before I think he's always been in these situations where he's not massively you know enamoured with what he's got 
Um, and I think it was always naive to think that Newcastle United and Rafa wasn't going to be a mix that was going to create this tension. That the, the issue is, of course, that um, we've seen what he can do. And now, really, we need to kind of see some progress. But I would say, I think that quote, which was from, from that book there, does show that, you know, that we it's not it's it's not new for Rafa to be like this. But you would also argue that everything he said there, everything he said in the past few weeks, it's not to demand. It's just kind of logical, isn't it? Let's get them signed early. Let's pay for the players that I want. And then it, if it fails, it's on my... It's on my head. So I'm playing a bit of devil's advocate here because obviously I want Rafa to stay. But if they'd have made the early signing of Miguel Almiron for maybe five or six million more, then, you know, would it have made a massive difference to Newcastle's season? Whereas they've, you know, they've um, they've battled on the price and and, and earned a bit of money. Summer window, though, because we always seem to be stuck, and I'm sure Lee and Luke will get involved. We always seem to be stuck in in a situation in the summer when... Benitez has these targets, and we get to the the last couple of window, last couple of weeks of the window, and we're still scrapping around, and then it's second or third choice, mm-hmm. and it. But it's just logical, isn't it, to say let's get my first choice in in the first couple of weeks of the the summer window. Yeah, what Mark said there. First of all, he's actually correct. This is what Rafa Benitez has done. as pretty much every club he's been at. We can't deny that. But in his defence, he does it for the right reasons because he wants the club yeah. and the team to improve. So you're right, Andrew. It makes sense them to move early. Um, because it's you want your players in for the start of pre-season for a start. And if you can get a couple of signings early, it actually takes the pressure off when you're trying to do your business late. Newcastle create problems for themselves by being so slow. And then you allow other teams to come in. So you create competition. If you, if you can go out there and be decisive in May, June, just get two signings in. It sets up the whole window. It sets up a successful window rather than a scrambling around panicking window. So... I think, we, as Lee said as well, we're at this standoff, this sort of stubborn standoff between them. For us, it's ludicrous. Everyone in this room knows it's ludicrous. We all want Rafa to stay. We all think that all the club needs to do is give him a reason to stay. They haven't managed to do that yet. If they say to him, right, give us your target. You want that player. Right, we're going to move for that player now. I think that would be a huge breakthrough and will make Rafa think, Oh, okay. So they are willing to listen to me. They are willing to act. They are willing to change the way they do business. And that helps the process along. That eases everything into place. And I thought that, as Lee said there, what he was kind of getting at on Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, 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 Saturday night, was he was he was moving the debate on a little bit. It wasn't about his budget. It was about let's get signings made. So I actually thought it was a small breakthrough because it sort of changed from how much money am I going to have to spend. It was sort of saying, let's go out and talk about signings, let's go and get them done. That sounded like a manager to me who subconsciously or consciously was was planning in his own mind to stay. Um, but they have to do that. He's not going to stay if he gets the same stone wall, oh, we'll see where we stand, or oh, we'll have a look at it. And then two or three weeks later, they then ring up the agent, or you know, his own people ring up the agents involved and they haven't heard from Newcastle, because that's happened in the past. That can't be allowed to happen this time. It just seems so it seems so tantalisingly close for him to stay now that I think we're all getting increasingly exasperated that it's not just happening. It seems pretty simple to me now. Keep Rafa, Newcastle have a chance to be an aspirational, ambitious football club again. We have peace. We have hmm. positivity. Lose Rafa from a stubborn stance of not making some compromises in the way you run and do things. 
and we're going to have war again, aren't mm. we? We're going to have civil war at the start of next season. Negativity. The new manager will take over under that cloud, and it, and and it really, you know, it's just taking a backward step again. They'll be looking at another relegation battle. You just know it. Keep Rafa, and I think we're all excited about the future. It's so simple. Now you wrote a, f- a few weeks back. We'll get this out early. Yeah, get it out. That you were confident. Yeah. That Rafa was going to stay. Mm-hmm. You you went out there and you you were, you were pretty certain mm-hmm. in what you wrote. I mean. We like to talk about that. I mean, how yeah, no, you, do you still stand yeah. by that? Um, as I've, I've done another piece this morning, but when a meeting, and this was the information that came back to me, for the first time, Rafa had made it clear he wanted to stay. At that meeting, Newcastle said, we want you to stay. That seems to me, if a conversation starts like that, you sort of think, well, okay, well, that's going to happen. I think in Rafa's heart, he his first choice has always been to stay but to then tell the club that he wants to stay and they say okay we want to do everything we can to keep you that for me is positive and i and i i, I my gut feeling is he'll still stay I, I, that's my gut feeling whether he does i don't know nobody has ever actually said to me again as i said in that piece nobody actually said to me he's going to stay or this is definitely going to happen and when i did write it i actually got some feedback shall we say from people in and around the situation saying you shouldn't have written that you shouldn't have written that why have you written that that's not helping matters and I just said well tell me what's wrong in what I've written he said he wants to stay the club has said they want to keep him is that correct yes so that was right at the time and it still is right now but we are and as we all know we're three weeks further along and we're basically still at that situation with a manager saying he wants to stay and a club saying we want to keep him but what has actually happened to advance that progress nothing and this is the problem with Newcastle the way they're run everything takes so slow now my theory and it is just a theory again is that what's happened is that Lee Charnley is sort of paralysed a little bit by saying yes he's been told to keep Rafa he's told Rafa they want to keep him but he's still waiting for green lights from those above him and it's been the Easter holidays Um, Mike Ashley's been slightly distracted recently by other business developments, uh, shall we say. He's lost a lot of money with Debenhams. I just wonder whether they're still waiting for that green flag from the owner to say, right, go ahead and do it. And I thought when I read the stuff from Lee Charney last week that there was a bit of that going on, almost like buying time. Just, but we shall see. It, it, it's got to happen. I, I still think it will happen. I'm, I'm, I'm not quite going to stake my reputation on it, but I still think it will happen. I still think because Rafa, in his heart, he wants to stay... I just think there's only a small shift Newcastle have got to make, uh, a common sense shift for me, and it will happen. But, you know, this is Newcastle, and they've, they've let popular managers go before, so it could happen again. And Lee, what's your view? I mean, are you similarly confident that come pre-season in China, when you, you step off the plane, Rafa Benitez will be in charge of Newcastle United? Well, that's the situation everyone would like to happen, but, I, I mean, I, I think nothing's guaranteed until, you know, Mike Ashley sits down with Rafa Benitez. Um, that two's between. It's not. It's not about Lee John. Lee John is there to draw the paperwork up, um, but he he hasn't got the final say. It's but it's down to the. It's it's almost an ego battle between Rafa and Mike Ashley now, and and who blinks first. And realistically, does Rafa want to stay? Yes, but he wants more control. He wants to be the main man in football business. Um, does Mike Ashley want to spend loads of money? No, he doesn't. He wants to keep costs down as much as he can. He wants just to keep Newcastle moving as a profit-making machine uh, as long as they're not going to get relegated. He's, he's relatively happy, so he just wants to take the TV money. Um, but football doesn't work like that. So at the end of the day, um, I think it's all very much up in the air. It's hard to say for sure that what is going to happen. Um, but 
what Luke's saying is correct. Rafa does want to stay here. Um, I think there's a there's an element of where else does he go in the Premier League though as well because there's no there's no other obvious job for him out there really uh, in the Premier League. So we'll have to wait and see. I mean Benitez, as Luke said in his press conference um, after the Southampton game, kind of he took it on a little bit and then he was talking about experience. He listed a few players who were over the age of 26 and how well they'd done. Rondon was excellent on Saturday. Wonderful cross um, for Perez's second goal. Um, and, and, and with every game, Rondon's kind of shown that age is just a number, really. And how important is that kind of debate over the age of players for Benitez's future? I think that's absolutely crucial and it, it's critical. Um, obviously, I'm sure listeners will know that, that um, me, Lee and Chris went up to see Lee Charney last week. And um, I think we that was our biggest line of questioning, wasn't it, about this 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 principle that Newcastle have that you know that, that they won't spend a lot of money obviously they will spend money on players at that age because Rafa has been allowed to spend money on players of that that age but they won't allow him to spend the top dollar on on sort of your 28 year olds and that was a big problem with Rondon last year uh, and and I think we we kind of asked and asked and asked about that and said and and it was quite an interesting debate actually to listen to to them basically say look you know, obviously they didn't say much on the record about that, um, but you can kind of get the impression of what, what where they're coming from is that look well, other clubs don't don't do it either. Um, you know, we 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 believe that you know you have to you have to future proof. You know, you, you have to you have to be investing in order to to make money long term. But the point is, and they say no other manager gets. You know, I think they feel that no other manager gets a kind of blank check to do that. But my argument is that Rafa Benitez is a Champions League winning manager and has markedly improved Newcastle. And other players have improved because of players around them. So you can look at Isaac Hayden and Sean Longstaff. Well, are they better because they're playing alongside an experienced player in Matt Ritchie? Is Perez better because he's got an experienced front man in Rondon playing alongside him? Yes, is the answer. So for me, that's the biggest frustration. I think that is the big area where where they need to they need to make some concessions on that um, because that's the thing that Rafa thinks can, can take them forward. I mean, it'll be it's interesting. I think his teams. I think he would still probably prefer to sign younger players who he can work with, but he knows they need experience. I think that's the biggest issue at the moment. But Newcastle are. It's ridiculous not to allow Rafa free reign to sign whoever he wants because that's why you pay him six million pounds because his judgment is better than you know with the greatest respect Lee Charnley's judgment on football because I'm better than Graham Carr's because the players that they were signing. When it was the trium, when it was the triangle of power, which was McLaren, Charnley, and Carr, and it was really Charnley and Carr making the calls, the calls that they made on the players there, the players may have been okay, but the team got relegated. Yeah. It's one player as well, isn't it? It's like it's one yeah. player. It, it, if you could say I will sign Rondon, and then every other player I sign will be under twenty six, and that, that just makes sense. Yeah. And if I can bring Ajax into it, I know Mark enjoys my uh, jumping on the Ajax bandwagon, but last summer. They made the decision to sign Tadic and Blint because they had these brilliant young players, but they were naive and they kept yeah. getting and they kept losing games that they shouldn't lose. They brought in Blint and Tadic. They're now in a Champions League semi-final because they added two experienced players to mould the team and make the team better. They're not going to get any money back on Daly Blint, yeah. who they bought for fourteen point one million. That's loads of money for the Ryaks to spend. They're not going to get any money back on Tadic, who they spent ten million pounds. But they went, we need to build a team. Look where that team is now. This is the, this is the biggest problem that, that, that we have with Newcastle United at the moment is this idea that um, you know you, 
that, that they kind of they have a blueprint that that you know well we we we're, we're the ones who are making the same decisions and the rest of the premier league is kind of you know making bizarre decisions where their wages to turnover is 70% 80% and they might go out of business yeah but they also might like Leicester did kick on and do something you know the problem is you can have a set of principles but if you're not going to bend in them and you know that's the problem is if you're going to lose Rafa the what's the alternative the business model's twice relegated as well it, the business model doesn't work it might work to make them financially stable but on the pitch they're not competing with the teams that they should compete with Lee do you think that Newcastle or, the, or Lee Charlie might actually see it as Rafa Benitez leaving and the reaction of the fans of the players are this do, do you think they see them as one like you know if we let Benitez go we're going to have to deal with the negativity from the fans from the players or do you think they're solely focusing on Rafa Benitez's future and that's it and they don't see the reaction to come well I, I think if you're asking Mike Ashley will he care if Benitez goes he, he won't be bothered he's, he's in his in his eyes he's seen off bigger names you know he's he's, he's Seen off Kevin Keegan, he's seen off Alan Shearer, he sold local lad Andy Carroll, he wasn't bothered about that, he wasn't bothered about ripping the St James's Park sign off the walls, he wasn't bothered about ripping Shearer's name off the, the bar uh, at the Gallagher end. So are you asking me, will Mike Ashley lose any sleep if Benitez goes? No, he won't because he's, he's a hard-nosed businessman who he doesn't care about making unpopular decisions. Um, Lee Charnley, who's obviously more connected, he might have that because then he's the one who's going to take all the flack that that follows. And you know the fans will be furious if Newcastle don't nail down Benitez now. And then the problem is, is who follows Benitez because who would who would be crazy enough to come in uh, on the back of that? There will be there will be some people, by the way, but they won't be yeah, up to scratch. Um, I mean, obviously we've seen. Gattuso's name getting linked uh, that'd be a nice calm figure to come in and when everyone's losing their head um, but you know realistically they would be looking for a miracle worker if, if Rafa Benitez went well imagine if David Wagner came in after oh. um, Rafa he, it wouldn't go down well oh, yeah I mean there is bless him David Wagner it might be a great manager I'm not not, not disrespecting the job he yeah. did at Huddersfield but can you imagine what that? How flat that would feel. But that, they've they've done crazier, th- actually done crazier things. Like Joe Kinnear. What, Joe, Joe Kinnear came in as manager after Kevin Keegan. <laughs> Joe Kinnear hadn't been in football for Pure. a long, long time, and then he came in and he started telling us so many stories about. <laughs> came back twice. Yeah, came back <laughs> that twice. Was that, that was that was this hierarchy's answer to the problems that followed in 2012, 2013 was to bring. Joking here in as director of football. I mean, that is the, the sole problem. And the, the most correct thing Alan Pardew ever said was, Mike Ashley doesn't understand football. And he doesn't. And, and, and you know, you can you can beat around the bush as much as you want. He doesn't. And and the whole, Newcastle's whole problems have been from Mike Ashley not understanding football. And, you know, he has somebody in the manager's seat now who does understand football. And I understand, look, Rafa will push it. Whatever happens, even if he gets what he wants now, Rafa will push it because that's Rafa. But that's that's excellent. People do that, so I understand that there is an element of the narrative isn't quite as black and white as we all we portray it. Sometimes there probably is things that Rafa does that are, you know can be. I'm sure he can be a nightmare to work with. So there is elements of probably things that he asks for that you're like that's unreasonable. You know, asking for some players when he was he'd spent a lot of money in the championship 
and then kicking off when he didn't get players in January. Possibly looking back, that was maybe a little bit un, un, um, you know, un, unfair. But he, he knows football. You have to give him what he wants because he's not being, I don't think, unreasonable in what he's asking for this time. I think, I think he will compromise. Yeah. But, if, uh, but only if he's told the situation and how much money there is and that this is the scope to increase the wage budget. Yeah. So we can't sign four players on £100,000 <coughs> a week, but we might be able to do something, you know, one or two. He'll work around that, but you've got to, you've got to explain. You've got to be yeah. open and upfront with him. They've got to get together in the same room. And uh, to be fair, I think Ashley is the type of bloke where if Rafa went, as crazy as this sounds, if he went to the West End of London, sat down and had a pint with him, not that Rafa drinks, but... Yeah. If he had a pint with him and sat down and had a bit of yeah. banter about which players are going to yeah. come in, exactly. I think it would be solved pretty quickly. Graham Carr managed to persuade Ashley to come with him on a scouting mission to, to look at um, Aubameyang all them years ago um, when he was playing for St. Etienne. And that's the type of look he's kind of easily encouraged. But when there's a standoff situation like this... It just gets so difficult. And he'll dig his heels in because that's also the person But Lee's exactly right. Mike Ashley's the one who could give the, as I keep saying, the green flag, the green light, whatever you want to call it. He's the guy who would just say, okay, right, all right, do it. Let's do it. And and that could happen. That could happen. Lee's exactly right. But Anita's could sit down and win a room with Mike Ashley over a meal. You might even have a small glass of red wine. Shandy. Shandy. Mike can have nine, 19 pints <laughs> in a fireplace <laughs> as a power drinker which might not be Rafa's cup of tea but however they might end up thrashing it out and it gets done so come on Mike what are you doing forget yeah. about Debenham you've lost it do you know the, the, the funny thing is well, I was just thinking I can't remember I was just searching for the player there the, 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 they sort of say to us oh well if, if if we get the right player with the right profile we'll go out and sign him I'm trying to think of the player last summer the French lad who ended up going to the Bundesliga Oh, uh, plea, plea, plea. What? That was that again? That was that was plea. He went to Gladbach. Yeah, he went to Mönchengladbach. Rafa wanted him. He was the right profile. They supposedly had the money. Yeah, they didn't get over the line. So when Rafa says, when Rafa says, you know, well, I'm not just going to sit here and just let them because that was a player who ticked all the boxes and they didn't go and get him for me. So that's the other problem that you're having here is that Rafa is going into these negotiations hard bitten by what's happened in the last four transfer windows, saying. I hear a lot of things about what we're going to do. And then what happens is, you know, we have to, how long did he have to wait for Lejeune? All those kind of things. So he's, he's going into it with all of those things. And what he really wants them to, to say is, you know, look, are you going to work and are you going to go and get the player that I want quickly? If, you, if, it's, if it ticks all the boxes, go and get him and pay the money for him. And that's what he's basically saying. Well, that leads us on to the next question. Luke's done a five-point plan to, to get uh-huh. Benitez I should be in charge of negotiations yeah. <laughs> so we've already briefly mentioned uh, one point is is Rondon the other point is tell the budget yeah. um, one interesting point is is the one year or two year rolling contract yeah. and a lot of people talk about this in the press box actually on Saturday that that would be probably the ideal situation well he said as Mark's just alluded to there Rafa's had his fingers burnt rightly or wrongly he feels promises were broken I don't think they were broken in the championship season personally because I think a £14 million deal for Andros Townsend and wages of £80,000 a week when you're second in the championship is just an impossible deal to sanction for any football club. But, you know, he, he has had promises broken. I think the one window where he was really badly treated was last summer. 
because they're in that standoff about sign your new contract yeah. you can have money sign your new contract you can have money that's not the way to deal with someone like Benitez so that was the real window where I think he had his fingers burnt and I think he was I think he was really depressed after that window yeah, actually and I think that lingered at the start of the season so the one year rolling contract um, I just think is a, is a pragmatic move where you can say you protect yourself about him being poached mid-season so you have a clause that says any club you could make that 20 million if you wanted you could make it so restrictive or prohibitive for, for a, for a club he to try no maybe not but one year rolling contract gives him that chance to almost give them one more opportunity and I think I phrased it there is he wants to protect against broken promises and if the club aren't intending to break any promises then there's no problem there is there so give him a one year or even a two year contract but with those break clauses where he can go at the end of the season after the first year or he can even go you know in the winter window if he feels at the end of the winter window again if he, you know you have that clause whether the club will go for that I don't know but a one year rolling contract makes sense for both parties to me I think the club's argument would be well then we're signing players and we don't know if the manager's going to be there okay we'll give him a two year contract then but with the same break clauses I think they have off I think they one of the one of the offers that they they've offered him is basically like the same almost like the same deal but with where there's no now golden handcuffs thing so he could he could effectively if a, t- if a club came in for him and said we want to take him it would literally be however much the rest of his contract would be it would be just so so they have offered him that and I don't think he's I think I don't think he'll sign the contract to say I'll do it all over again do this season all over again unless he feels like because he'll just feel because he knows we're all talking about him now as a great manager but at the start of the season people forget that he was getting all this stick about his tactics against all the top teams and he was getting stick externally as well. People were saying, oh, Rafa, just shut up and get on with it. So it's all very well as saying now he's been reinvented as this season's been another Rafa's masterclass. But when they were when they lost to Brighton at home, it wasn't. It was like a lot of the national media coverage, not in not from no, national no. media rights, but, but the national lads, the, the other people were saying, just shut up and get on with it, Rafa. So he knows that if he signs up for it again, doesn't get backed, it's his reputation. He's made mistakes this season as well, and we shouldn't we shouldn't forget that. The Fulham nil nil draw when he came out afterwards and said we need a miracle to stay up and I was in that briefing and I actually said to him, Well, you know, and even if we sign players, it'll be a miracle if we stay up. Well, that was a pretty I'm going to refrain from using the word stupid. It was a very, and it's not even naive because too experienced. He knew what he was doing, but it was it sent out completely the wrong message to absolutely everyone. Those above him, the fans, the players, and they had that massive dip, didn't they? So, mm. but he's rallied again. And look, he's the best manager Newcastle have had since Bobby Robson. We can just we can all agree on that in this room. And I keep going to this point: if they keep Rafa on whatever contract he signs, preferably a long one, two or three years. They've got a club. They've got a chance to be an ambitious, aspirational football club again, which is all anybody wants. That's all anybody supporters, journalists. That's all Rafa wants. It's what anybody. It's what the Premier League wants Newcastle to be yeah. again. Don't forget that the neutral want Premier League, uh, Newcastle to be an aspirational football club again. So it's you know it. It just feels like this is a real sliding doors moment this summer. Uh, Lee, just give a, kind of an insight to the fans because we've seen Benitez reach that magic. Mark, have you will, of survival, and that's when he's always said we'll talk about uh, the contract and the messages that come out. They kind of change from from press conference to press conference. From what we saw on Thursday, you know, it was the first time he said maybe I waited to him for the right job to come along, um, and then Saturday was much more positive. It is interesting when you do watch him as, as often as you guys do to see him change in the space of just forty eight hours. Yeah, and I think you can. There's a few more little 
things you can drizzle into it um, in the next press conference as well. And that's what he's doing. He's just he's dominating the agenda, really, because how many times has he mentioned June the 30th in the mm-hmm. last week? No one really knew about June 30th until we'd done the story uh, last, yeah, last week, week right, yeah. and since then Rafa's meant uh, I'm sure it's in the double figures how many times he said June 30th so he's really he's really putting it on the line to the, for the board now or, or Mike Ashley and, and Charnley saying um, okay I'll wait and, as you say I'll, I'll sit at home and wait until June 30th and then can you imagine how unbearable it'll be in June coming into work June 2nd June 3rd he hasn't signed um, he still hasn't signed and other teams start buying players. The fixtures come out. Newcastle still don't know who the manager is going to be. It could happen. So Miguel Almiron, he's going to miss the uh, the rest of the season through hamstring injury. We kind of we already knew the extent of it, um, but it will be a big blow because you felt like you really just wanted a goal to cap off what has been a brilliant few months, debut few months. I mean, it's, it shouldn't be. A big surprise that he's broke down before the end of the season because he's, he's obviously come in off the back of MLS. Um, he's played a lot of football in the last 12 months. Uh, his body probably needed a break. He's got the Copper America coming up. Uh, that was That's always going to be a big issue for Newcastle, especially around pre-season time. Newcastle will want full assurances from Paraguay um, that... You know he's okay at playing that because if he's half fit and he goes into it and then gets injured again, suddenly it's a huge setback. So it's tough for them, though, isn't it? Because they can't actually yeah. stop him going. No, you can't he, stop him going. No, is he suspended? So. After he picked up that that red card, was two, that a two, friend? Yeah, two minutes off. after. <laughs> was that a friend? Was he, was a friend. Yeah, I, was, I thought that was a foul of somebody who wanted a. we've seen yeah. we've seen um, before though, haven't we? Newcastle players international players getting pushed through a tournament when they're not fit Michael Owen being the yeah. huge standout example mm. uh, I think you were over there weren't you yeah. when that happened and yeah. that was a huge story at the time uh, Michael Owen suddenly isn't going to be fit for Newcastle's big season coming up and it it, it messed things up for Glenn Roder back then so. and it, was it key as well at the, even at the yes. in January yeah. was the Asia Cup yeah, yeah. So there's two it examples. Be, it's, it's, it's tough, and and then then again, you know, that could be another story over the summer, couldn't it? Imagine if he goes, yeah, does his rips his hamstring this time and he's out Dear for me. three, four months. It's just been it's unthinkable, isn't it? It's um, I mean, he's been outstanding as well. Like when defenses. when you go back to the kind of the Rafa Rafa transfer calls, they didn't they didn't really want to do that deal. I don't think massively they wouldn't have picked a player because it was a big risk, but. Um, I mean, I think he's been really good. I think he's, he's changed really... the way the team plays. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty, he's, he's perfect. He's the last piece of that jigsaw in the team. There's yeah. no coincidence that since he arrived, and it was like started with that wonderful, brilliant, amazing night against Man Game City, changer. they signed him, and you felt suddenly people like, you know, you went into that game, and it was a no-hope game, but they've signed this player, and so it just felt like a momentum yeah. shift. And I think this is the general point about Rafa as well. I think what, what I was kind of thinking about the other day, why is it, you know, the team haven't actually improved in terms of position this season and you know Rafa what 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 has he I was thinking like what's he actually achieved and I was thinking what he's achieved at Newcastle United is that this thing of people just trust him mm-hmm. when the team went through the two terrible runs everybody knew that it would be all right because the team have Rafa no one called for him there were no anti Benitez I mean what man that's the other thing about why I think he should stay because what manager has that anyway he could lose five games in a row 
and we wouldn't be on his back. Well, okay, we might be on his back a little bit more. There'll be a few fans who were, but you wouldn't be hearing like, do you remember Pardew and the whole stadium? Oh, he's chanting for the manager to go. You're never going to get that with Benitez. He brings the one thing that Mike actually really wants, which is stability. Yeah, that's always been the thing they've wanted. Well, Benitez yeah. gives you that. Yeah, to keep him. People just trust him. I mean, like Almiron comes in, and you know he's had. He, I don't think until probably Leicester, he probably had two or three poor games, and and you would have probably had or not poor games, but anonymous games. People would have been saying, oh, well, what have we signed here or that. But nobody was saying that. So everybody's on hit on the player's side. So he feels that. And then he has two really good games and everybody's sort of... And it's just that... That's why there's it's so tantalising and close, isn't it? Because everybody just trusts what's going on in the football side because they think, well, it's got Rafa's stamp on it. And, you know, Almiron's a great example of that, I think. But you mentioned the final piece of the jigsaw, but obviously mm. Rondon doesn't sign in and that's the jigsaw. Not yeah. complete, isn't it? The, the, the interesting thing about Rondon and I know Mark was using the devil advocate thing earlier on this, there probably is a younger Rondon who does the same job out there. But my theory is, you've got to get rid of Jocelyn because he's just not good enough. Yeah. Sorry, Jocelyn, if you're listening, but he's probably not. But, you know, if you are, apologise. Nice guy, but thanks for your efforts. Um, see you later. Um, is that you could probably do the Rondon and bring in another younger player anyway. That's what you should be aspiring to do because you, if Rondon got an injury now, then... They're screwed to put yeah. in 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 a. Well, they're yeah, safe they, now, but they would have been screwed. They're lucky, aren't they? Yeah. He didn't, so he didn't. Um, I forgot what the question was now, Andrew. Rondon <laughs> and his future. And how Rondon? Yeah, well, he could go. Time. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it would be the breaking up of the team because I think the plan would then be, as I said, to sign a younger Rondon. But you still need two strikers, and Rondon is potentially the best thing that can happen in the Rondon deal is that West Brom don't go up. Are forced to. They can't have Rondon back on their wage bill in the championship, so they'd have to sell him. So there's probably possibly a deal to be done there at slightly cheaper than the. If they get promoted, I don't think he comes. I think it's as simple mm-hmm. as that. I think he'll stay at West Brom. If they don't get promoted, there's scope for a Dwight Girl, quite Dwight Gale swap deal again, loan deal. That might be the kind of get out that everyone ends up getting. So let's all hope that West Brom don't get promoted, because um, that could actually be the sort of hidden mm. factor in all this. Because if you can bring Rondon back even on a loan, I think that would satisfy. Rafa, and then go and buy, and then the club can be happy because they can go. We're going to go and buy this 24, 25 year old who's in the same mould. Mm. He's the player type of player you want, Rafa. We're going to spend thirty million on him. You can have him. I think that keeps everybody happy. It's whether the player it's... or whether the player is going to look at the transfer market and think, you know, I mean, I think there was talk of Galatasaray being in for him. I know Wolves took a sniffed around him in the in January. So it's then whether the player looks at it and says. I can get a big payday elsewhere. I mean, there's all those kind of things that that that's what's, maybe that's why Rafa was talking about wages because yeah. he's basically sitting there but, saying. But would you spend 120 grand a week on Rondon uh, on a four-year deal? I think this. I is, don't think any of us can actually I, say we would. Do I that. wouldn't. Have to, I wouldn't. But New, I think this is where well, we're getting point to. Is Newca- Rafa, Newcastle won't. That's no, the point. No. That's well, I don't think I would. But you're getting to the point the, of like it's the most, Rafa. No, it, this is the most Newcastle United scenario ever. The the hope and. West Brom don't get promoted so they can sign Rondon cheaper. But the guy that they're paying extra money to in yeah. Dwight Gale is banging in the goals yeah. to get West Brom promoted. <laughs> yeah, that is ridiculous. <laughs> so how do you get yourself in a situation like that? And and the other no. thing on Gale, from what I've heard, is that Gale, if if West Brom don't get promoted, he's not interested in going to West Brom again. He's in the going in the peak years of his career. 
He's just had a great season. He feels ready to have another crack Back at the Premier, Premier League. League yeah. And of course he will because, you know, he's in the mood now. Yeah. He'll be probably back at pre-season training. Okay, sell, him, yeah. sell Gale they could for 16 million, 17 million, and then do the Rondon deal. That's, that, that, that could make sense. It's that feasible, yeah. Sense, yeah. Who's coming up? Sheffield United, he probably won't get there, but not Norwich, I'm going to say. Well, go whoever gives him the list, be honest. Yeah. If he, what there's Lee's probably right. He probably does think he wants another crack at the Premier League, but most of the Premier League are going to go, yeah. no, And they gave right. him. But the teams in the bottom three who've just come up, yeah. I bet all of them will think, well, how many goals did he get for Newcastle last season? Um, he did all right, actually. He did all right, yeah. didn't he? It They'll all be thinking 16 million in the current Wolf Selmitrovic for. They might be able to get 18 million, 19 million for Gale, you know. Slightly like do that to do the Rondon deal. Slightly like said though, the most Newcastle thing ever is that they gave him a new contract with just improved terms to get him away to go to West Brom because they were so desperate not to do the 16 million pound deal. So they've given him more wages. And so then that makes up. it harder to sell. I mean, it was a short-term fix that they came up with to get Rafa the player that's created longer-term problems, which is a Newcastle United kind of thing isn't it that sometimes they make these short term things or they think this will help us out long term to get Rafa to, to it's like Gail Gail you know. could be the the big winner this summer in all of this because he's either coming back to Newcastle to train with the Premier League team and push for that and get paid very well for yeah, it he's... or he gets a, an even bigger move off the back of this and there will be you know you know you mentioned the teams coming up a Sheffield United or maybe the Leeds would be very interesting. Leeds, Dwight Gale. What about Brighton? You know, even yeah, teams yeah. like that, if Brighton yeah, stayed up. Fulham wanted him last year. You know, maybe they'd be looking at him. They're, they're, they can do a deal for Gale if they're clever, but they've got, to yeah. be, they've got to be clever about it. And then they've got to say to themselves, Quick. right, Rafa, we're going to get rid of Gale for, we've got to, you know, get 18 million for him. You can have Rondon. But I mean, not on a four-year contract. I wouldn't give him a four-year You can't give a... Would you give a 29, 30-year-old a four-year contract? Maybe, but not on... I think, not think, as your highest the, earner, that's the problem. I think this is, they've given players, young players for, I mean, Henri Savé's still on a five-year contract. Yeah. It doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense just to, I mean, Jack Colback's still got another year left of his contract. They, you know, they give long-term contracts to young players and it doesn't, yeah. I mean, they're, pay, doesn't, they're paying someone like Dan Barley as a five grand to play for Akron and Stanley. But then, but then look at the Sanchez effect. That's the other, you know, we've got, look, you know, man, you have paid this guy who's 28, 29, who nobody realised his best years are probably the behind finish, him. But he, he's on £450,000 a week. Imagine if they signed Rondon on a four-year contract on 120. That's what they think. And then happen. that's the business sense where you can see it is that you've then got Almiron, Perez. Perez, he must be up for negotiation for a new yeah. contract soon. Lascelles, um, who, you know, Hayden. I still reckon Hayden could be persuaded for the stay, for example. They're suddenly, look, if Rondon comes in at 120, all of those players are going to want parity. Then what's, what movement does that give you in terms of bringing new players in? Yeah, that's that, that that's definitely what, what I reckon. But Rod, the Rondon deal still needs to be done, but it needs to be done on a right basis. He, he, we have to accept that Rondon can't come in and say, I want 120 grand a week, four-year contract. I don't think you the can do that. Thing is, though, is his agent will will feel confident that he'll get that elsewhere. So now he scored nine dollars in the Chi- Chinese Premier League. He, he won't care where he is next season as long as he's getting the money. Right. Let's get that straight. So if he if someone from China comes and goes, yeah, there's your hundred twenty five grand. There, it's over three or four years, and he gets it. Then Newcastle just lose him like that. You can't no. compete with that, though, Cam. Unfortunately, if, well. if he if he's just only interested in the money, then I don't. You'd have to have some sympathy for Newcastle, I guess. There's definitely a deal to be done there because he's is, desperate to stay, yeah. isn't he? Well, he says he is. Yeah. This is the thing. They all, well, some of them do, but like the majority know that money is the be-all and end-all them because it's such a short career. And when you yeah. get a 29, when you know yeah. you've, you might only have one big move left, 
You're going to take that money that's in China. But if that deal collapses, we need to be told why it collapsed. Because I think we're all sitting here saying we can sort of understand why it might not happen now. And we've said it's got to keep him. If it doesn't happen, don't hide. Don't be silent on it. Come out and say he wanted this, he wanted that, he got offered more money to go to China or wherever it be, and explain that to us. Mm. Don't just let the narrative be, oh, you failed to make the Rondon deal happen. Yeah. I've just said it has to happen. I think it can happen on the right terms. But if the player, as Lee said, if the player's just interested in a payday and he goes elsewhere, then come out and say that yeah. to us. That's the other problem with Newcastle. They never communicate that. You get a once-a-year briefing, oh, we didn't do the Rondon deal because he wanted £200,000. Tell us when it happens. Yeah. And then and tell Rafa why it happened. Yeah. Explain things. Don't they, they, just hide behind... The lack of trust in what they say is, I think, one reason why they don't talk. The other, the other reason that they don't talk at the moment is because they feel like, well, Rafa, we will come out... Whatever we say, could, if it risks contradicting what Rafa says then it becomes a battle of world war of words. And like Lee said about the June 30th thing, that comes out. Suddenly he mentions it every week. He mentions the wages thing on Saturday, I think, partly because the statement that they've put out. He's very like, you know, he, he, he will go to war with them on, on stuff. And they know they can't win. They, they can't win any battle with, with the hierarchy. So it is kind of like, but if they sign him, I think then they will start to come out and talk and all this. And, and you know, it's why they, need, why they need to get him. But the Rondon thing is, is, is definitely... I mean, they would say to us, you told us all to go and sign Kennedy last summer, which we did. And we didn't do it and because we felt like, you know, he needs another year to see to see what he's like. And they would say devil's advocate, because I'm playing devil's advocate a bit this, this week, is that they were right on that one. But Rondon's a different kettle of fish because he's a £16 million striker. How many £16 million strikers are there out there? It's peanuts now. In the, it's in peanuts. That's, that's the thing. I mean, how much was, uh, what's his name, Solanke? Went to Bournemouth. Yeah, Jocelyn cost £6 million, didn't he? Jocelyn, six, six million. Strikers are not, you're not going to sign a striker for less than tw- for, for less no. than £20 million. No. Who's going to make a difference to your team? It's going to be £20 million. Newcastle haven't got to grips with that fact either because they've signed some absolute stinkers because they've tried to go under... 20 million for a striker they've never spent over 20 million pound on a striker and you can't do that in the Premier League these days you cannot do it one man who's definitely a bargain Luke's already kind of mentioned him there Iosi Perez Hatwick on Saturday and it seems to be a, 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 kind of a frustrating character because he always seems to have not the best of first halves of the season second half of the season he seems to find form we've seen it again this year we saw it last year but a really good performance on Saturday deserved the Hatwick in the end but he, he reacted well to criticism when he was dropped earlier in the season, hence the celebration. But he's come out and he, he's so key to what Benitez wants. Yeah, and I mean he's he's climbing up the goal scoring charts. You know, I, I remember speaking to him in in Ireland in the summer, and I mentioned how close he was to, it and he didn't even actually realise. I had to actually explain, say, no, there's a Premier League goal chart, and you are going to be rubbing. Sh- if you have a good season, you're going to be rubbing shoulders with those uh, players and then he went away in the first half season he's had a very bad first half but it turned for him in November he got the goal against Watford and um, you know he, since Rondon come in since Almiron come in he's looked really good um, and he he looks like a man in form going down to Brighton Newcastle are going to need that form obviously Almiron's going to be missing so Perez who scored a very important goal down there before if you remember against uh, Brighton in the promotion race uh, they're going to need something something similar to that so hopefully um, he, he continues to finish stronger and Newcastle look I know there's talk from going to La Liga but I think he, he if anyone's worth a new contract who's not going to be asking for, for the earth give it Perez 
Well, certainly, we'll get on to Brighton now. Um, their season's falling apart. They're in real danger. I mean, Cardiff have that. Cardiff have that danger where they look like they can score a goal. Mm-hmm. I, I think Brighton haven't scored. Is it 10, 10 games? Is it something, something crazy where they've not scored in, in a long while? Newcastle can go there first five ten minutes and really get the crowd on on Brighton's back. Um, I mean, you guys have all worked closely with, yeah. with Chris Hutton. It's 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 sad to see him in such a position. He's a man who likes a hug. Chris Hutton, <laughs> he likes to hug it out with uh, when he sees us. So, Chris Hutton will always be extremely popular. I know we've all three of us who work with him. This room, lovely guy, did a fantastic job at Newcastle in the circumstances. Massively underrated job he did um, that season. They went down and was sacked when they were twelfth in the Premier League. Which again, we look at the seasons they've had since then. Very very harsh decision. Uh, I think Brighton are, are paying the price for. Can I say this politely? I think they got a little bit ahead of themselves. I think they had a good start to the season. They thought they were a mid-table Premier League team. I think there's been a slackening off there. Um, and when that when that slide happens for a club like them with the players they've got, it becomes very hard to reverse. And they're in real danger now. Um, do we want Newcastle to do them a favour on Saturday? No. No, we don't. Not really. Um, as sad it would be. I think everyone here wants Chris Hewton to stay up because we love Chris Hewton. But... I think Brighton just got a little bit ahead of themselves, got a little bit overexcited, thought they were a little bit better than they were, and they've paid a very, very heavy price because they're in real danger of going down now. I think Chris. I think Chris is. Um, I mean, such a fantastic guy and a great manager as well. Um, but there's always been that accusation, hasn't there, that maybe stops him from being categorised as the very top manager that his teams can be a little bit sometimes one-dimensional, which I think was unfair and fairly dogged him at Newcastle. They felt at Newcastle they got rid of him because they wanted somebody who could take them on. Then they went and got Alan Pardew, who was, you know... They did finish fifth, unfortunately. They did finish fifth. He did take them forward, but I I think Chrissy could have done that as well because he was was a great one for facilitating the dressing room. But um, I think he'll get them over the line just about, won't he? And we really, you know, I, I think he's such a... I mean, he's so resilient as well, Chris. I mean, he, he had that one bad gig at Norwich, did great, did really well at Birmingham, did brilliant at Brighton. And I think Newcastle would probably do them, but I don't think Cardiff are going to get enough points to overhaul them. I, I think we'd all prefer Brighton to stay up than Cardiff. Definitely. Oh, I mean, Chris, Chris, you know, the job that Chris did, you could make a case that he saved Newcastle in, in a lot of the ways that he did because he, under, he was the right man. I mean, everybody forgets because now the championship has been rewritten as it was a cakewalk but we were at Scunthorpe weren't we when they lost that game and he kept a cool head when other people were losing theirs stuck with the players told the players I believe in you um, let the players have some control that season over certain aspects we speak to Steve Harper or Kevin Nolan about what Chris Hute did that season and they'll tell you he was a quiet man who was the right man at that time because he just I mean, the the art, the, the job that he did that year was they blew the championship. So they blew the championship away the that season. Matter. They were a better team in the championship under Chris Hutton. They had better players, you know, if you think of the core group they had. But they were a better team in the championship under Chris Hutton than they were under Rafa. Yeah, yeah, they were, they were, and you know, they literally. I mean, they lost the game after that Scunthorpe until right towards the end of the season. They were a phenomenal team, actually. Yeah, they were, they were. I mean, proper characters as well. And the the joy of Hutton really was that he understood. That what he had, and he, let them. He knew when to step in because I remember, funnily enough, after the scunt. Like, can you remember when I gave Marlon Howard a two out of ten? Harsh. It's Forest. I think it was two, definitely two out of yeah. ten, and uh, and it it caused a bit of uh, a few problems in the dressing room, and 
the next game they got beat off Scunthorpe and the front page of the Chronicle was on the day we celebrate when we beat Man United 5-0 I remember I was still working in it yeah. on the day we also beat Juventus in the Champions League here we are losing to Scunthorpe well after that it all went off and the players basically wanted to ban the local press um, and Hutton stepped in and I had to go down the training ground and sat down and have a pot of tea with him it was very <laughs> sophisticated and uh, he just said look we don't we want to get promoted this season we don't want to go to war with the press said, so some of the players might be upset with you uh, it was all my fault, obviously. Yeah, yeah so the, um, I can imagine where that from. But, it, yeah. but that calm management was how he said that. Yeah. He would have handled yeah. that. That's, I mean, that's great to hear, actually. Just called Lee in, handled it calmly over a cup yeah. of tea. There have been certain managers we've all worked with who would have been quite, oh, ban him, ban him, yeah, yeah, ban him, to try and create that lemon ass. Well, Alan Pardew did that. Well, of course yeah, he, he did. did. He but did. Chris handled it, and the players will have respected that. People always said, yeah, the players didn't run right that season. It wasn't no. like, we're picking the team, Chris. We're going to tell you how we're playing. They respected him. There's different ways to manage. Yeah. And he did it. He didn't do it by committee. That was always a misnomer. Yeah. But they just he just got them to like him and That's, respect yeah. him. I think he let them think there was a bit of a committee going yeah. on. And then when the as I say, when the moment was right to step in, he would he say did, yeah. he'd make a decision. He'd be strong. I mean, you you read in Barton's book about Hute and how and how it how it worked and it's quite an interesting insight there as to like they they kind of knew there was a line that they could that they could kind of go to and, and, it, and it was basically that they knew that the dressing room policed itself because he had a good captain who worked with the manager and you look at now that the best managers in the Premier League are probably managers who understand the power of a good dressing room mm. and so Hugh was ahead of his time in that I mean Rafa okay he's you know he's a man manager but he's not a he doesn't bang the table you know he's, he's he lets the players Explains, some, explains, yeah, explains rather than orders. It yeah, would be. The modern manager, and Hugh was a very modern manager, and I know sometimes it's like it was horrible to watch yesterday because Brighton were very one dimensional against Tottenham, weren't they? I mean, they did, they did what they had, they, they, yeah, they tried to hold out and close, get that solid point. Like Newcastle, oh, it was then. so yeah. unfortunate, yeah, very similar, yeah. And and you kind of feel like if Hugh gets there, I mean, Brighton in the Premier League for two years, you saw what's happened to Huddersfield. You know, Brighton, Brighton are not that big a club. If they stay up again, they can build and keep keep on with Chrissy. So, all hope he sort of stays. Uh, Saturday could be a big game for Modi Army. Time running out for him. He was very uh, honest, shall we say, in the, after the game on on Saturday. Just a bit, yeah. I mean, those quotes were very big quotes that that he gave. He was he said, "Look, it's going to be hard for me to get a contract here because of the board's policy." So, look. What what did Newcastle do in this situation? I mean, they're safe. They can they can relax in terms of knowing they're going to be here next season. Uh, they need to obviously get a few more points to have a strong finish. But does Rafa um, give John Joe Shelby a chance? Uh, that that didn't seem to be the case last week. But now Almiron's injured, they're going to need someone to come in and provide some creativity. Uh, does he bring Muto in? I'm sure after paying nine point five million. And at the moment, he's he's under a lot of scrutiny for his, his dealings in the transfer window by his board. Because for every player he says was a success, they throw one of them that wasn't. Muto, at the moment, is one who isn't. So Muto may come in and perhaps get a goal and then he can say, look, you know, if he gets a run, he's going to be all right. So... He's got he's got a couple of options, but but not too many. I think it's that stage of the season now where 
the players need a break and uh, some players are carrying knocks. For you, Luke, what does the future hold for, for John Joe Shelby? Is his time at Newcastle? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think we're seeing the last days of him, unfortunately. A good player, great player, probably not. Um, story of his career, unfortunately. Um, I think the fact that when substitutions are made at the moment, he's staying on the bench. I know he's struggling for fitness, but he's, you just sense there's been a little loss of trust there. And I think there's probably a view behind the scenes that he's probably quite keen to leave as well now. Um, if West Ham are willing to pay more than Newcastle bought him for or even match what they bought him for, I think he'll be gone. Uh, West Ham would be the most likely destination. But again, clubs coming up to the Premier League. He's a good player, John Joe. Um, there's just something lacking there that's held him back throughout his, his entire career, unfortunately. But yeah, I think he's probably going. There we have it. Um, how are we all feeling then for Saturday's result? Are we are we back in Newcastle to win? Mm, it's going to be an interesting game. I think I think I think they'll win. Yeah, I think they'll win. I think I think it could be a horrible nil nil draw. They they they, they um they sort of going into these games. I think this is what the kind of games at the end of last season when Newcastle were picking up good wins against teams that were a bit. Tying up a bit at the end. Newcastle always finished the season. They've finished the season really well under Rafa twice, three times really, if you include the championship as well now. So you've got to be confident about them in two of the last three games. And Liverpool, they might give a bit of a game as well. Um, I think Brighton will scrape a one-nil win against a rather lacklustre Newcastle, whose players will have been. It's going to be yeah. an awful game. That, that's, that's, there's no doubt. Tune in, folks. It's BT. I think it's going to be one of them games where Brighton are scared to lose it, and Rafa will be like, "Okay, well, I'll just keep yeah. keep this nice and steady, and yeah. maybe hit you on the counter." And I, I think you're right. It is going to. It's either going to be a nil nil or a one nil either way because it's going to go boil down to one mistake. They're going to be nervous. Uh, Brighton. Will they go for a draw? Or will they want to win? That's the thing. Well, they've played massively for a draw in the last two games, haven't they? Because if they try and attack Newcastle, you'd fancy Newcastle, wouldn't you? Yeah. Would a point be enough for them? At, yeah. I mean, Cardiff, Cardiff have got what? Depends on their results. Yeah. Cardiff have got a couple of winnable fixtures. Cardiff, play, Cardiff played before, don't they? They play in the three o'clock ago. So they might know. See, another little interesting thing, by the way. So that game's on BT, is it, on Saturday? Um, have you noticed that we've got Luke here as well? Um, Rio hasn't done any... BT games has he? I I would have thought they'd have whacked him whacked him back. Very good point. He hasn't, has he? Since but they, he since, hasn't. Since they've been on about crash five times. His car crash moment when uh, that's their opportunity. They should they should be putting him on and making him. Is that the biggest shocker for a pundit this season? Really? Uh, Andy uh, Richard Keyes saying that Rafa should spend his own money would be worse. <laughs> but. That which was my favourite one. Neck for me. It's my favourite one. Neck and neck. Uh, but no, I suppose Richard Keys probably just ages yeah. that one, didn't he? Danny listen. Mills saying, who's, that, who's Miguel Almiron? I've never heard of him. Thanks, Danny. That was rather special, yeah. wasn't it? But I think, yeah, probably Rio Ferdinand getting all the facts wrong, all the numbers wrong. Um, and then just being absolutely just rinsed on the Yeah. And then putting the fishing, and then putting the fishing emoji. Fishing. Yeah, See, yeah. There you go, that article's writing itself at the moment yeah. isn't it yeah but they don't but I, yeah I, I'd be interested to see whether he's, I suppose he's probably too big for that isn't he? well his biggest fail this season was uh, after the Man United beat Paris Saint-Germain where he said Man United are back give it five to five feet out of eight Ole Gunnar Solskjaer sacked at the end of the season Ollie's at the wheel Ollie's yeah. at the wheel Gone marvellously well uh, as has this podcast thank you very much Luke for uh, popping in it's an absolute pleasure I look forward to Dream Team back there's no banners up for my homecoming ten, ten years ago I'd say we all had a bit this more this isn't your original ago, old stamping ground though really is it 
No, it wasn't quite a return home. It's like Thierry Henry going back to the Emirates. It's like moving into your parents' house after they've they've left the family home. It's like Henry going back to the Emirates. Yeah, and having having that one good game and then everybody forgets that. If anybody wants an insight into how the press room is on a Saturday, the last two minutes was just that. Um, Thank you very much for joining us. Please remember to like and subscribe on whatever platform you listen uh, to your podcasts through.